Hello everybody, this is Kent Hammond with FaithCast University, the world's only faith-based podcast that is by a college student, for a college student, or for college students, not for a college student. Um, and I've got a lot to talk about today. I First I want to say that I'm toying with the idea of getting rid of the, the music, meaning the breaks. Even the intro song. Uh, if you noticed, I'm not doing an intro song today. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, and there's a lot of podcasts that don't do any breaks at all. They just go for an hour without breaks. And, like, I was playing music and giving people five-minute breaks because I felt like... Like, what I do is serious because I'm talking about God's Word, but it's still a podcast, so it's still a form of, like, entertainment. And so I I've, I just felt like people need breaks when they're like watching or listening to entertainment. You know what I mean? Like like any TV show, right? Has some commercial breaks, has like two or three commercial breaks per half hour episode or whatever. And the same with like radio shows, they usually have commercial breaks. So I felt like people wouldn't listen if I didn't have breaks. I felt like the American public and especially college students who I target have to have those breaks with with within a show to sort of take their minds off of the show for a minute go you know use the bathroom whatever they're going to do give them a couple of minutes to like do something else and then come back but then i remember this is a podcast so i can take breaks whenever i want just by hitting pause and you guys will never know the difference and you can do the same with my show if you feel like you want to make some dinner while you're listening to my podcast? You can, you know, you can hit the pause button for a half hour if you want. And that's not a problem. So I'm going to experiment my next few episodes. I probably won't be making a whole lot of episodes in the next month. As a matter of fact, I've, I'm really surprised that I found time to make this one. I just came up with this idea for tonight's podcast and I wanted to, I wanted to do it. But I've been absolutely buried in in schoolwork. I mean, I think I think everybody's feeling the pinch. But I'd like to say you would not believe how much how much schoolwork I have to do right now, and how much I've done in the last week. But probably all of you are facing similar workloads. You know, I can't. Uh, college is hard. My God, is it hard? I I. Uh, it's not easy and I didn't expect it to be but it's really super involved like I said it's harder than any job I've ever had so when I hit the real world after I graduate I don't think there's any job that can be as time consuming and um, sort of deadline oriented as as this job is I mean there's some jobs that could be but you know what I mean college I will probably at the end of my life still rate college as one of the hardest jobs I've ever had With that said, let's get right into the content of the show. I want to talk about three things today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Trinitarianism. I want to talk a little bit about weed, marijuana. And I want to talk about uh, the whole controversy going around the country with regard to transgendered bathrooms and if a... somebody who 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 is born a man but identifies as a woman 
should be allowed to use a you know a woman's bathroom even though he is still technically a man and so I, I definitely want to touch on that subject um, the first subject today I'm going to tackle is the is the weed issue marijuana smoking marijuana and uh, weed is now legal in two states Colorado and Washington and, and this, this is old news but it's probably going to be legalized in most of the states eventually over the next, you know, few years or so, I would I would imagine. Over the next 10 years, I would say probably all the states will legalize it. I mean, it's, it's the government is moving that direction, and so is the opinion of the general public. And so it's going to happen. Just the same way gay marriage happened, uh, weed legalized weed is going to happen. It's finally starting and it's going to keep moving. Um, personally, I think they need to legalize all drugs. End this war on drugs. Because if you end this war on drugs and you make drugs legal, 90% of the violent crime in this country vanishes. It takes some time, but within two or three years after full drug legalization, I'm talking legalizing everything, Weed, crack, cocaine, whatever. Within two or three years, five years at the most, America would go from one of the most violent crime countries in the world to one of the safest. Because you'd get rid of all the underground criminal activity. All these gangs, whether they're street gangs, Bloods and Crips, or whether they're high-level gangs like mafia and mobsters and Italian mob and stuff, They'd be gone. You might have more drug addicts in the streets, but the price of drugs would would be comparable to the price of like pharmaceutical drugs or something. You know what I mean? So we, we, we would have more addicts running around in the street, but it wouldn't be a problem. An addict is not going to burglarize your home to get money for drugs when he can get an eighth of cocaine at Walmart for 10 bucks, you know what I mean? And that's the way it would be if drugs were legalized. So and another thing, like you said the violence that that all the violence that goes on with the drug world, it'd be done. That would be a beautiful thing. And that's something I'll expand on another time, but for today we're talking about weed. Marijuana. As you may have guessed since I just said I support the legalization of all drugs, I'm definitely supporting this uh, weed legalization thing that's been going on in these last couple of years. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I think that legalizing this drug is going to keep a lot of otherwise good people out of the criminal justice system. You know, it, it's always amazed me that uh, if you have more than a certain amount of weed on you, you can be arrested. You can go. You go to the court, and you sit in that defendant's chair, right? Like a criminal, you sit in the same defendant's chair in the courtroom that you know probably some child molester was just sitting in that same chair before you, like an hour before you, before your case comes up. You're sitting in the same defendant's chair with child molesters and rapists that that child molesters and rapists have to sit in because you were either smoking or selling weed. I mean, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not 
justice in any way, shape, or form. And it and legalizing weed is going to take care of a lot of these problems. So, yeah, I am definitely for it. The Christian church, however, has other ideas. I mean, the Christian establishment has definitely been going out of their way to, you know, speak out against this. And from what I can tell, most of their reasons are just plain made up. I mean, there's... I've read a bunch of blogs about whether or not a Christian should smoke weed now that it's legal and, you know, should weed be legal. And, and most of these pastors that are out there are, are giving a resounding no, but the reasons for their for their stances don't come from Scripture. That's the thing about it. I mean, there's nothing, there's really no biblical arguments against marijuana from Scripture at all. I mean, it's just not there. For one thing, weed is a natural growing plant. And God did say, Behold, I, I bear every herb and seed and such to you to use how you see fit. Or He said something like that, okay? But either way, all the, all the plants and trees and fruits and seeds in the world are for human use and human consumption. That would include the marijuana plants, you know. Man didn't invent the marijuana plant for the purpose of getting high. He may have discovered that the marijuana plant is capable of such things. But this wasn't some offhand thing that, you know, a bunch of guys in the old Stone Age or whatever didn't get together and say, you know, we want to get, you know, we want to get really high. Let's, let's go find a, create this plant out of, you know, materials to... To get us high. You know, weed is a natural growing uh, herb. It's a natural growing plants. It grows, you know, you plant seeds for marijuana in, in your front yard and marijuana is going to start growing just like any other, you know, like a flower bed would. You know what I mean? But there's some outrageous stories out there about weed and there always have been, but it, it amazes me that pastors help report these stories like, we, you know, the idea that weed makes people more violent. Okay, anybody who knows me knows that I wasn't always a biblical person. I converted back in, you know, a few years ago, but I wasn't always a biblical person. And for the, for the record, I don't even like weed. Like every time I smoke weed, I don't like the taste of it. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like nothing about it. So I'm not coming. Here, I'm not coming at this from a place of where I just really want to smoke some weed. So I'm just like looking for excuses to do that. And that's not what I'm saying at all. But these pastors, they're out there saying basically the same propaganda that's been out there about weed for a while. Like weed makes you violent and so on. They're spewing the same propaganda that's always been spewed by the government about weed. But to hear it coming from church pulpits is just like, it's surreal to me. Weed does not make people violent. Matter of fact, I've never once seen a situation. And I, you're talking to a guy who used to get into a number of fistfights, okay? I've never once been in a situation where I've been sitting around with a bunch of guys and they smoke some weed, and then they said, you know, hey, let's go beat somebody up. I have been sitting around with groups of guys who've just done lines of coke, 
and then thought it was a good idea to go and pick a fight with somebody, you know what I mean? But I've never seen that with weed. People smoke weed to chill and to laugh and to relax and to socialize and to just feel better and to feel less stressed and stuff. That's what people use it for. It doesn't work for me, but it works for a lot of other people. You know, and all these uh, purported health problems that the government, you know, spews about weed. I, I mean, I don't I need to get into all these because you, most of you have probably heard them. But the church just, just simply repeating them without any sort of basis for doing so. I don't understand that. I don't understand. I mean, how did smoking weed or not smoking weed become a faith issue? How did it become an issue where it's like proper or improper for a Bible believer to do so? I mean, there's nothing in Scripture about this. If you really want to know why weed was criminalized in the first place, I will tell you. It is because sometime in the, I forget the time frame, okay, but sometime in the late 1700s or early 1800s, bunch of Mexicans came across the border, okay? And they're, they're, they're here, they're making a living. And their major cash crop was marijuana. The criminalization of marijuana came about basically in hopes to drive the Mexicans out of this country and to keep them from coming here. Because that was their major cash crop. That, that was how they came here and made a living. And basically the authorities wanted, you know, wanted the Mexicans to leave, just like they do today. That's the real story behind uh, criminalization. And from there, there was, you know, a bunch of stories made up about it, you know, hysteria and whatnot, but... People went out of their way to try to scare people about what smoking weed would do and all this sort of stuff, but it was all sort of racially motivated, ethnically motivated at first. And then it just kind of caught on and went beyond the ethnic stuff into just, you know, the false stories that went around about weed just kind of became mainstream, you know. But pastors, man, I I think the church really just needs to back up off of this issue. Okay, I, I don't see any any reason. It's it's like the abortion issue. I mean, there's nothing in Scripture about it. You're not gonna you're not gonna win any converts by fighting this battle or taking this stand. So just leave it alone. There's no reason in the world, especially now that weed is legal, to warn against it. And even if there were all these purported health problems that come with smoking weed, most of which have been made up, but let's say they were real. I mean, most of the pastors I see could stand to lose a few pounds, so I know that they were out there eating a lot of fast food, a lot of microwave food, a lot of food that they shouldn't be. 
So they're really like the last people that should be telling people not to smoke weed based on health issues. You know, when they're putting way more harmful chemicals into their body on a daily basis. In other words, the Christian world needs to do something that it'll probably never actually do, which is to lighten up about this. Not only is this not a big issue, it's not an issue at all. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. So if you're out there and you're smoking weed or if, if and you're a Bible believer and or you're thinking about maybe trying it now that it's legal, I've got nothing to say to stop you. I mean, I'm not going to promote promote you doing it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say, yes, go smoke weed. You know what I mean? But at the same time, when I look at Scripture, there's nothing I can really... There's nothing biblical I can really, nothing in the Bible I can really use to speak against uh, the use of this particular drug. Nothing. I mean, it's it's known to kill cancer cells and stuff. There's a lot of positives with weed. You know, it does it it does great uh, wonders for people who are in a lot of pain and who don't want to. Uh, like people with severe back problems and who don't want to like um, get hooked up on Oxycontin and stuff. Of course, the weed, uh, the pain relief you get from weed is a, is certainly a lot more temporary. You know, if you take an Oxycontin, that, that's going to last a while as far as, as, far as that goes. Uh, the pain-killing effects of weed likely... In most cases, I think only lasts like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. But in any case, yeah, I think the church just really needs to just shut up about this issue. There's just no basis for with, for with which the church should take a stand on it. Okay, now on to Trinitarianism. I uh, The reason I wanted to discuss Trinitarianism today is pretty much because I just thought of it today. Um, I haven't had any discussions about Trinitarianism with any of my Bible believer friends recently or anything like that. But about a month ago, I was thinking about doing a show uh, regarding the subject of the Trinity and... I just uh, plumb forgot about it, and then today as I was doing uh, the massive amount of homework that I did today, uh, the thought came to my mind, because I've been wanting to discuss some other issues too, and I just haven't had time to make a podcast, and the Trinity is one of those. And when I tell you guys that I've done a massive amount of homework, okay, for those of you who have taken an online college class, a cl- through through any major university. Some of my classes are online. Well, two of my classes are online, and the rest of them are at the school, okay? But when you do an online class, the class is divided up into what's called modules, okay? And a module represents, each module represents about two weeks worth of studying, 
homework, quizzes, whatever. So about two weeks worth of schoolwork, overall schoolwork. And I did two entire modules today for my Russian studies class from start to finish. So I went from about 9, or it's around 10 in the morning till about 9 at night. It's it's about 10.30 now. But uh, I went a good 12 hours. I mean, I took some breaks. I, I took a break to eat, and I took a break to do my daily like exercise and stuff. But for the most part, I uh, have been pretty much just plugging away at schoolwork. And like I said, I know a lot of you are too, and I hope my show is can sort of provide you a big break from that, or a little break from that anyway. All right, so the subject of the Trinity, let's get into it, shall we? I have much the same thing to say about the Trinity uh, doctrine as I do about the weed issue that we just discussed. Trinitarianism is basically the belief held by most Christians that God is three co-equal persons in one, being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, there's different Trinity variations. Some people who believe in Trinity look at the Trinity more as like a triangle with God at top and Jesus and the Holy Spirit at the at the other edges of the of the triangle, so to speak. But either way, Trinitarianism is is a dominant um, belief in the Christian world. It it doesn't really get preached from the pulpit a whole lot, at least not in the sense of uh, you don't see you really don't see too many pastors preaching sermons that are done for the specific purpose of trying to prove that the Trinity is correct doctrine, and you don't see uh, too many people, too many pastors and preachers and well-known Christians. Uh, going out of their way to like discredit those who don't necessarily believe in the Trinity. But I think that's by default. I think that's I think that uh I think that the reason for that is is mostly just by default. The subject for whatever reason just doesn't come up that much in social circles. So dogmatic stances regarding Trinity don't 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 cause rifts just because the subject doesn't really come up. But it's still a subject that a lot of churches take seriously, and it can still be cause for problems uh, when one takes a dogmatic stance on the issue. Almost every church, and I've been to a lot of them, and I've read a lot of church statements, so, so I know what I'm about to tell you to be true. Almost every church has something in their statement professing a trinity. We believe God is three different separate persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, you know, you've seen the, you've seen that and you know what's up. If you've been a believer for any amount of time, you know, you know what that's about. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. I am actually not a Trinitarian. And what I mean by that is I'm not actually convinced of Trinitarianism. I, I believe it could be real, and I do believe that there's some scriptural evidence for it. But I believe there's other scriptural evidence that seems to say other things about 
you know who God truly is, whether he's three and one or whether he's just one or whatever. Um, if you believe in the Trinity, you believe that God is three and one, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But there's a verse in Revelations, Revelations 5, I want to say 5, like 6. Okay, I just pulled it up here. I'm going to pull it up here on my own Bible. I should know better than to go to the internet to pull up scriptures when I have my own digital Bible. But anyway, uh, Revelation 5, 6. Because whenever I search the internet for scriptures, for some reason I always end up in like a King James. And I, I hate the King James. I mean, it, I, I respect it. It's brought a lot of people to Christ, but it, it, it's just so outdated. I just don't want to... Um, you know, I just don't want to read out of it. Especially when there's more modern, modern English Bibles available to read. Okay, I'm at Revelations 5-6 in the NIV here, and here's what it says. Revelations chapter 5, verse 6. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Did you guys catch that? According to the scripture, if you read it plainly, God is not three spirits, but he's actually seven spirits. It said the lamb, we know the lamb is Jesus, or at least Yahweh, right? The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So right here, you have some evidence that God or the Godhead may very well not be a trinity at all, may actually be a combination of seven spirits. It sounds ridiculous to, to, to say it, but then it, but, I mean, you'd feel kind of silly saying it in a conversation with your friends, but when you go to Revelation, it's right there. But I'm not, I don't necessarily buy that God is seven different spirits either. I understand that there's different ways that you can break down this, this, this passage. You know, Revelation's a very symbolic book, and... The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. These spirits mentioned here could very well be angels that God sent out into the earth to, you know, pour out wrath and plagues and stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, when you get further into Revelation, it talks about angels, angels doing stuff like that, so... I understand that this very well not might not be literal. It, 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 but at the same time, it could be, and it's hard to know. But I can see that there's a good argument to be made that these seven spirits of God are just like God's... These spirits of God is said in a way to mean like God's right-hand men, like these seven angels that are his spirits who are of him, who are there to do his bidding, you know? A good case can be made for that. So my 
my argument that there could be seven spirits that make up God can be refuted, and I understand that. But still, so can the Trinity. That's the thing. Yeah, there's there, there's Bible verses that say uh, to you know to to say to say and do things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Command people to be healed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But those scriptures can be read different ways too. First, first of all, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit might just be a metaphor for just saying one name, such as the name of Jesus, right? Or the name of, of Yahweh. Because if you look through scripture... When, uh, like when Paul cast out demons from people, we don't really have a whole lot of evidence that he said, come out of him in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and name of the Holy Spirit. He mostly just told them to come out of him in the name of Jesus. So the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit could just be a metaphorical way of saying the name of Jesus. But if it's not, if you can provide a good biblical argument that it's not, there's still yet another problem to be had. The Bible says in hundreds of places, if not thousands, that God is one. He's not three. He's one. He's not three with two other little gods called Jesus and the Holy Spirit under him. He's one. I mean, there's, I mean, seriously, look at the scriptures. There's literally hundreds, of, maybe even thousands of scriptures that say this. That right there puts, you know, the Trinitarian doctrine in, I don't want to say it puts it in jeopardy, but it makes questioning it an easy thing to do. Not to mention the fact that it says in Revelation that when all is completed, Jesus will get the highest honor in heaven, have the highest place in heaven, but that even he will be subject to Yahweh. So even in heaven, Jesus, our Savior, is still going to be under Yahweh's authority. Kind of hard to be under Yahweh's authority if uh, 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 Yahweh's authority if you're essentially Yahweh yourself. And what is was God going to submit to Himself? Is He going to surrender to Himself? So I mean, th there's a there's a lot of different ways you could break down these verses with regard to the Trinity in the Bible. Is what I'm trying to say. And here's why I'm saying all this. This is not a salvation issue. And not only is this not a salvation issue, it should be an agree-to-disagree issue. Nobody should really have a dogmatic stance on this issue to the point where they call the opposite of people who don't believe in what, they, what they're saying about it heretics, right? 
there's some there, there there is some evidence in the Bible that would indicate that God in fact is a Trinity. There's other in, evidence in the Bible that indicates that He's one. He's just one. That He's not three. He's not a Trinity. He's just one. And then there's that scripture in Revelation that seems to indicate that He's actually seven spirits. With our imperfect ability to break down all these verses and having never seen God to face to face, we have to admit as a believer community that we just don't know. Okay? I've seen people get dogmatic about this issue and, you know, excommunicate people for not believing in the Trinity. And so that's why I'm saying this. I don't want people to I don't want people to, to get hung up on this issue. It to me it's like rapture, okay? I don't believe in rapture. But some people do. But it's one of those things that it's it's just neither here nor there to your walk with Christ. You know what I mean? So it's not an issue worth like dividing over and you know, possibly severing friendships over and ex you know breaking fellowship over it's 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 one of those agree to disagree issues i have no idea what god looks like i have no idea whether he's three or whether he's one or whether he's one and three or whether he's seven like revelation says i don't know and none of us do and we're not going to know until we come face to face with him so why excommunicate people why, why get so dogmatic about this issue when scripture is vague at best at truly describing what God actually looks like and what he actually is in, for lack of a better term, in physical form, okay? We just need to let that one go. Most people don't do that because this subject doesn't come up a lot, but I've seen it come up, and I've seen people get heated about this, and it's just like... You can have friendly debates about it, right? My personal position on this is just like my position on abortion, which means I don't have one. I could be convinced of Trinitarianism someday, but then I could be convinced that God is not a Trinity at all someday. You know what I mean? There's scriptures to kind of back up both positions. And then there's scriptures that refute both positions. You know, God kind of God does a really good job of keeping concealed what his pure essence is. And you know, it says in scripture if anybody any man actually sees the face of God, you know, he must die. All right, well, I'm going to take a break here, and you guys aren't even going to know that because I'm not doing music. All I'm doing is hitting the pause button. But when I do come back, which on your watch will be in about two seconds, but for me it'll be about 10 minutes. I'm going to talk about this whole transgender bathroom bill issue that's been going on around the country. This is Ken Hammond with uh, Faithcast University. Be right back. Okay, Ken Hammond back with Faithcast University. Hey, I want to apologize. If the music that I played during my previous podcast was more of an annoyance and a bore, 
or just wasn't enjoyable, I, I, I apologize. It was just something I felt I had to do. I was just going with an old style format, like I said at the beginning of the show. And I guess I was doing what I could to make my show attractive. I, uh, I don't have any sponsors because I just started this and I'm a college student and I'm pretty much just recording this podcast off my phone. So I figured I had to have breaks and I would just like play a song during breaks. Um, but now it's time for me to get to the uh, final, I guess you could call it, segment of this show. And that is I wanted to discuss uh, the hoopla about transgenders and bathrooms that's going around this country. Um, North Carolina, the state of North Carolina, recently passed a bill designed basically to protect women and children from creeps. The bill just says that if you were born a man, or if you are actually a man, no matter what gender you identify with, if you are actually a man, meaning you're a a man and you, you have a penis, you must use the men's bathroom. You cannot use women's bathroom in, in public places. And Hollywood is in an uproar about it. So is the media. And what the surprising thing is, is you would think that the uproar would be about, you would think people would be up in arms over letting a man into a woman's bathroom. You, think, you would think that would be the uproar. But that's not the uproar. The state of North Carolina, and, and just so you guys know, I am not a big fan of, of a lot of the things that southern states do politically, okay? I consider myself to be democratic on a lot of things, and so I don't agree with the South in a lot of areas. But they're catching the heat. They're being called bigots because... They, by a good a good chunk of the American public, not to mention Hollywood, has sort of chimed in on this, and the media has chimed in on this, calling the state of North Carolina a bunch of bigots, because they don't want somebody who is actually a man to be in a woman's restroom. I can't even wrap my mind around this thinking, you know. I guess this quasi-liberal world that we're living in now says that, uh, well, if you identify as a woman, you should be able to use a woman's bathroom. And anybody who tries to stop you from doing that is hateful and it's painful or something. That's a bunch of bullshit. That's a bunch of freaking bullshit, Okay. I I mean, when I see these news stories, that it, I, I don't even know how to respond to them. I never thought I would live in a world where it would be okay for a man to go into a woman's bathroom. That's the last thing a woman should have to worry about when she goes to use the bathroom in a public place, be that a restaurant or a city park or whatever. The last thing a woman should have to worry about is whether the person in the stall next to her is actually a man. 
This puts our women and our children in grave danger. Every child molester under the sun is going to take advantage of this, first of all. That's another thing. Let's talk about children. Let's talk about a scenario where an eight-year-old girl goes to use a bathroom at, at a restaurant or wherever. She now has to worry about whether or not there might be men in there. In her girl's bathroom. How sick can we be as a society that A, we allow this in the first place, but B, we actually support it. And I mean, feminists are supporting this. Feminists who are supposed to be so pro-woman and all this, and let's protect our women from violence and assault and all this, are supporting something here that is going to put a lot of women in serious danger, serious sexual danger, in serious danger in general. Somebody might be able to answer this better for me than I can. How did we get here? And then there's all these Hollywood stars who, like there's these musicians who are like canceling their concerts in North Carolina in protest of this quote-unquote hateful bill. I might have a lot of disagreements with the governor of North Carolina, but I'm not going to hold this one against him. He's just trying to protect the children and the women of his state. He probably has daughters himself. Why would anybody with half a brain, half a conscience, half a sense of morality whatsoever... Want someone who's actually a man to be able to just freely use a woman's bathroom just because they decided to call themselves a girl one day. I normally stay out of the political sphere, but this is the kind of thing that has to stop. I really hope that this is the straw that broke the camel's back as far as this kind of stuff is concerned. Because if we don't stand up about this, if the American public doesn't stand up and fight this, if they actually accept this, I, I don't want to say there's no hope, but I just, I'm just like, wow. This is sick and it's demented and... We as a society should not be accepting this. To hell with Hollywood. To hell with these stars that are canceling concerts in North Carolina. Who needs them? We need to protect our women and our children from sexual freaks. Okay? And we can't do that if men are allowed to use women's bathrooms legally in public. 
This is a real serious issue. And it, it just, it's, this has got to stop. I don't know what else to say. But I wanted to get that point out there. I wanted people to know how serious this is. Especially my female listeners. I mean, my, I mean, uh, you're, you are, you're female, you're college students. How would you like it one day if you go to use the bathroom at your university, right? And there's somebody sitting in the stall next to you, and you're not paying it no mind because you're just thinking it's another girl over there. So you start a small conversation with the girl while you're like sitting there, and you're just like, hi, hello, or something. And the person says hello back, but that person happens to have a voice as deep as mine. You realize that's a man. You're going to be comfortable with that? No, and you shouldn't be. Well, I hate to end on a sour note, but that's going to be my podcast for today. I uh, don't really have much else to say. I I, I pray that um, everybody does well in their finals and gets through these next couple of weeks. It's April 17th or 18th or so as I'm speaking. I want everybody to have a really nice couple of weeks and then have a nice summer. My summer series is coming up. And like I said, my summer series, it should start in... It'll start in... My summer series on hell is what I'm talking about. It'll start in either mid-June or early July. And like I said, it'll be a four to eight episode series refuting the concept of eternal torment. That's all I have to say for now. Thank you for listening. Uh, have a good night.